Hey everybody, welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn and this is episode number 53 and it's actually part one of a brand new series that we're doing for the month of August called Processing the Goose. Processing the Goose. So we'll talk more about it in a moment, but a few weeks ago I was able to attend the uh, Wild Goose Festival here in North Carolina and it absolutely blew my mind uh, wide open, just like it did last year when I went. And so what I want to do this year is I want to take uh, the first two weeks to share with you some of my biggest takeaways. So that'll be this week and next week. And then in week number three, actually going to bring on a friend who is at the festival with me. And uh, we're going to try something a little bit different. Uh, usually when I bring on a guest, uh, we use Zoom. So they're at their house, wherever that might be. I'm here at my house, and uh, we're talking together uh, using our computers and the interwebs. Uh, but this time with my friend, he actually lives like 10 minutes from me. So we're going to sit in my kitchen, and uh, we're going to record a uh, conversation where we dialogue about our biggest takeaways uh, together. So that'll be cool. And then in week number four, uh, we'll close out the series by talking to one of my favorite teachers and thinkers who is at the festival leading some of the sessions. So more about all of those things in just a moment. But first, though, I need you to do me. I need you to do me a solid something. I need. I need a favor from you. Like I seriously need your help. Uh, head over to Apple Podcasts and search "What If Project." You could do it on the podcast app if you have an iPhone or iPad, whatever. Or you can go to What If Project on iTunes and give this thing a rating and a review. So right now we've got 33 ratings, which is like a one to five star rating. Uh, They're all five stars, so please don't ruin that for me. I'm just kidding. Uh, We have 33 ratings and we have 20 reviews. A review is like where you write something about the show. And so that's awesome. But what I'm learning is that the more ratings and reviews a podcast has, uh, the better chance it has of showing up when people search for things that are related to the podcast. Like for us, things like God, Bible, theology, spirituality, the more ratings and reviews there are, when someone types in God, um, a greater chance that this podcast will pop up in their feed. So thank you in advance for doing that. And uh, much thanks to those who have already done it. Whether you've done it, you haven't done it, you are all awesome. Uh, Thank you very much. Secondly, if this is your first time here, uh, welcome to the madness. Uh, As you already know, the podcast is called The What If Project, and uh, basically what we do is we spend each episode exploring the question, what if there are ways of understanding God and faith and the Bible and Jesus and all of that stuff that are just different than the ways in which our traditions have uh, handed us? And so we tackle really big questions and topics like, does God send people to hell? Is there even such a thing as hell? Uh, why is God so mad in the Old Testament? Uh, or are the stories of the Old Testament even real? W- what is salvation? Why did Jesus die? Right? We talk about all of the things. Uh, we make some people angry along the way, uh, while other people have found this to be a safe place, almost like an oasis to uh, ask questions, to think different, and to take a few more steps forward on their already complicated Uh, spiritual journey. And and I'm a former pastor. And so I really like to teach 
and preach and all that kind of stuff. And so three times a month, I will usually do uh, kind of what we're doing today, which is a solo episode of sorts, where I talk through a, a teaching or reflect on an idea, uh, something like that. And then one week a month, um, sometimes more, but usually one week a month, uh, I will typically bring on a guest where you get to listen in on our conversation. So usually three weeks of a solo type thing, uh, one week of a interview or guest or whatever it is you want to call it. So all of that to say, uh, I'm really happy you're here. Um, again, welcome. And I, I should also say that I do live out on the interwebs with the rest of the uh, human race. And so you can find me on Facebook and all the places where uh, the cool kids hang out. My first name is Glenn. My last name is Siepert, S-I-E-P-E-R-T. Uh, find me, message me. I will answer. I'm a real human being. Uh, hit up whatifproject.net as well. And uh, you can look around there, uh, find out the contact information. You can shoot me an email. Um, I would love to hear from you. Unless you hate the podcast and you hate me, um, I will just delete your email or likely respond with something snarky. I'm just kidding. Uh, or am I? Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so this is episode number 53. Uh, like I said, part one of our series, Processing the Goose. And I'm calling this episode, Losing Faith in the God of My Youth and Broken Relationships. Broken Relationships and Losing Faith in the God of My Youth. So, like I said a few moments ago, about halfway through July, I attended the uh, Wild Goose Festival for my second time. And if you've been around uh, the podcast for a while, uh, you know that the Wild Goose Festival is something I talk about a lot. It's something that's really close and, and near and dear to my heart. And it's actually the place where I recorded episode number one of the podcast, which dropped almost a year ago, uh, back on August 24th of 2018. Uh, we are almost one year in. So pretty cool to go back to that spot um, a year later and have the same experience, uh, but through the lens of uh, how my own life and faith has evolved over the last year. So, so pretty cool. Uh, anyway, so to sum up the festival, if, if I had to sum it up for you, um, I'd say it, it's a gathering. And it's a gathering of uh, wilderness wanderers who feel maybe out of place when it comes to their spiritual traditions, yet somehow feel right at home in, in the presence of, of love. Uh, last year was my first time there. When I got home, I, I told Dana, she's like, you know, what was this like? And I said, it was the most bizarrely beautiful thing I have ever experienced. Uh, a bizarrely beautiful gathering of people who are looking for like a more authentic way to live as a human being who has been created in the image of God, in the image of love. Like if I had to sum it up, that's what I would say it is. And I wasn't able to attend the uh, whole festival this year like I did last year. Um, it starts on Thursday with what they call uh, pre-festival events, which we'll talk about in a moment. And it runs through Sunday. So this year I was able to attend Thursday and Friday. Then I made my home my way home on uh, Friday evening. I had some stuff to do over the weekend. Uh, my daughter was was sick, so it was just a, a crazy weekend. But I was able to make it to two days, which was awesome. And before we go into the details of that, I, I need to say thank you. Uh, tons and tons and tons of thanks to uh, my patrons who give money to the What If Project every single month. 
um, through Patreon.com. And if that's not you, that's cool. Uh, you can head over to Patreon.com slash What If Project. Uh, check it out, all the ways you can give and support the show. Um, it would mean a lot to me if you would just even go over there and check it out, uh, take a look at it. But if you are a patron, uh, man, thank you so much. Uh, because of your generosity, not only was I able to uh, meet the goal of paying for a year up front for the hosting fees, for the blog, for the podcast, um, even purchase a subscription to an app that helps make helps me make better graphics and stuff uh, for social media, uh, but I was able to purchase my ticket for Thursday and Friday at Wild Goose and uh, get a local hotel room um, at, a, at a hotel for uh, Thursday night and pay for my gas to get there and get back and pay for food and buy a couple of t-shirts for me and Dana and for Jordan and pay for a parking pass and have some money left over. Uh, to be real with you, I didn't think I was going to be able to attend the festival this year. Uh, because money is like super, super tight, apparently, when you own a house and you have a toddler. Uh, but when I added up all the money that came in from our patrons, I was overwhelmed with joy as I realized that it would actually work. So thank you. If it wasn't for you, I would not have been able to go. Uh, thank you. So that said, I want to talk to you about the goose today um, and some of my experience um, in particular on day one of the um, event. So on Thursday, um, the, the, the festival started, they have what, what's called a pre-festival events. Um, and I went to one called Wisdom Camp, headed up by a guy named Mike Morell, who's actually going to be the guy coming onto the podcast to help us close out this series um, in a few weeks. So uh, you won't want to miss that. Uh, stay tuned. His name is Mike Morell. So to be honest with you, uh, Wisdom Camp, though, is not my first choice. Like I was hoping to get into the uh, new writer's workshop, it's called, with Barbara Brown Taylor, because I thought that that would really help me with my writing, and in particular with an upcoming project that I have on my radar, uh, which is a a book. So I'm going to put that out into the internet universe. Uh, I'm going to start working on a book this fall. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to start writing it, uh, just brainstorming the outline. I don't really know, but I'm going to hit the green go button on that this fall. It, may, it might take me a year to write. It could take me two years. I don't really know, but I want to get started on it. I want to start the ball rolling uh, this fall. And, and the Writer's Workshop, uh, that filled up really fast. And so I purchased a ticket to uh, Wisdom Camp, which although it wasn't like my first choice, I knew that it was going to be helpful as well. And I knew that because of the blurb that I found on the Wild Goose website um, about the event made it feel like it was going to be crafted like just for me. And I want to read you the blurb really quick. Um, here's how they describe the writer's uh, the wisdom workshop, or uh, the, sorry, the wisdom camp. Uh, it says, those of us yearning and working for a more loving, equitable planet experience dying in many forms. Political upheaval, um, racial oppression, social disintegration, spiritual despair. How can we continue working in our vital vocations, be we minister, artist, activist, teacher, parent, without depleting our soils and our souls? Is it possible to slow down and nourish ourselves with what truly sustains even as we continue to feed other people? Is it possible to marry our outer work with our inner energy? At Wisdom Camp, we think it is. 
And on the morning of the Wild Goose Festival launch, we intend to spend a day together exploring these wisdom ways of seeing these new seeds of integration. Drawing on time-tested streams of contemplative seeing from the spirituality of Jesus, the compost of Christianity, interspiritual and transracial lineages of Buddhism and Quaker practice and more, this year's Wisdom Camp brings us water from very deep ancient wells. Now that sounded something like I needed, to be honest with you. Uh, Because to be real with you, I was struggling when I got there. And I'll be even more with you. Uh, I am even struggling right now. And I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, But one line really jumped off the page and grabbed me. And that's the first line. Those of us yearning and working for a more loving, equitable planet experience dying in many forms. And it caught me because I see myself as somebody who's fighting uh, on this podcast for a more loving, equitable church world universe. Like I work hard to, quote, make the table of Jesus bigger, right? To invite more people in to widen the gates of God's kingdom, to do the work that Jesus did and I believe is still doing. I talk about things like heaven and hell, um, LGBTQ inclusion, the wrath of God, other doctrines and theologies that tend to create this us versus them dichotomy and push the many out while allowing only a select few to have a seat at the table. And as, as, I've, as I've been working on those things um, over the course of this, um, you know, this, this past year and, and talking through some of these things on the podcast, I feel like I've experienced a whole lot of dying and loss and heartbreak. And so that's why I say that I'm struggling. Now, now you might ask, well, what, what kind of a loss have you experienced, right? Like what kind of dying, heartbreak, like what does that even mean, right? Well, for me, two things come to mind. Um, number one, for starters, I no longer believe in the God that I grew up believing in. Yeah, I believe in God, but I don't believe in that kind of God. And I've talked about this on, on previous episodes and it's gotten me in some, in some trouble, uh, but it's worth repeating here. Uh, For me, I grew up believing in the God who was ticked off at human sin. I mean, just good and ticked off at all human sin. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to take my well-deserved punishment, which is apparently to be brutally murdered on a cross. So that by believing in him, believing in his work on the cross, I might have the hope of heaven when I die instead of being tortured in hell forever. So in essence, Jesus saved me Uh, from his really angry, mean, and abusive dad. And this, I was taught, and I believed, is good news. And as as strange and bizarre as all of that sounds to me today, uh, there was always some level of, uh, I would say, comfort with that God. Because I knew how to please that God, right? Like, I knew how to pray to that God, I knew how to walk with that God. I knew how to preach and teach about that God. I had studied about that God for my entire life. I could articulate a theology of that God in my sleep. Uh, But now, I don't believe in that God anymore. And I don't believe that that God exists. I mean, if that God exists, I would go as far as to say that I am an atheist. Like, I don't believe in that God. Why? Because instead... I believe in a God who is love, 
and a God who is more inclusive than I ever imagined, more open than I ever thought possible, a God who never gives up on anyone, anywhere, a God who calls me to forgive my enemies, and a God who is more than capable of forgiving his own enemies, as opposed to angrily chucking them into the pits of hell uh, when they die because they believe the wrong things about him. I believe in a God whose love is so hot and so encompassing that it can't help but swallow up all that is in his presence and lovingly burn away every part of us that is unlike her. I'm not going to go into all the details of like all the stuff I believe. You can go back and listen to the last 50 episodes or so for that. But let's just say that my faith, my understanding of God and Jesus, like it's undergone quite a shift um, and an ongoing evolution. And and so I've recently been feeling, I would, I would say like kind of disillusioned, if I'm being honest. Like I've been feeling like I've lost something close to me. Like I've misplaced something very familiar. Like, like a part of me that was once so strong and vibrant and real has, has almost um, experienced a death of some sort. And when I think about this new understanding of God that I have, uh, the one that is more loving and inclusive and open than I ever imagined, that God sounds amazing. And that God sounds like someone I'm drawn to, but the reality is that I don't know how to please this God. I don't even know if this God needs pleasing. I don't know, I don't know how to pray to this God. I don't, I don't know how to walk with this God. I don't know how to preach and teach about this God. I don't have a strong, you know, systematic theology about this God. I don't have all the answers to how this God works. Uh, this God feels so right, so familiar, yet at the same time, so strange and so foreign. And so when I arrived at Wisdom Camp and I started hearing Mike Morrell and some other speakers talk about putting our finger on the areas of grief in our lives, so that we could work through some of those things during our time together, this one came roaring to the surface. I remember I closed my eyes and I said, God, I don't know you as well as I knew that other God. Like, I feel like I'm starting from scratch here. Like, how do I talk to you? How do I talk to other people about you? Are you even listening to me? Uh, do any of these questions even matter? Right? Confusion, uh, disillusionment, struggle, sadness, loss. Those are just a few of the words that I would use to describe um, what, I was, what I was feeling. Second area of death and loss uh, that I feel like I, I've been having amidst the, the struggle to, uh, to make a bigger table um, is the loss of what I would say the loss of relationships. So one is the loss of faith in the God of my youth. The second is the loss of relationships. So early on, uh, when the What If Project first dropped, I started to find myself taking fire and heavy heat uh, from people in my old tribe. And by my tr old tribe, I mean people from my old churches, uh, people from my, my high school, uh, high school, college, uh, seminary, uh, students, professors, friends, uh, even some family members. Uh, back when I was sitting in evangelical pulpits on Sunday mornings uh, to declare uh, the narrative I mentioned earlier about Jesus saving us from his angry dad, uh, my evangelical friends, and they loved me, right? Like they absolutely loved me. And it makes me kind of chuckle now. And I remember one Sunday, I preached a sermon um, at my old church. And uh, afterwards, a friend 
posted a picture of me preaching on Facebook. And they wrote on it, uh, everything that comes from the mouth of Glenn Siepert is straight from the mouth of, of God. Now, maybe they were giving me, you know, too much credit. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn. You know, I know I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm just kidding. But it was a nice statement, right? Like, I understand the statement. It was very nice. And the person followed up with me afterwards and uh, verbally told me how much the sermon touched her um, and her family. A really cool moment. But fast forward like two years later, and dude, that same person has publicly and privately said some of the meanest things anyone has ever said to me. Um, another person that I consider a, a friend called me a butthurt snowflake. I, I didn't even know what that meant. I had to go to Google and look it up, but it's not very nice. Um, another person mockingly called me um, an SJW Christian, which I also had to look up. Stands for a social justice warrior Christian. Like, all I care about are social justice issues, and I'm not a real Christian. Uh, I've been called a heretic. Uh, Someone called me a fake pastor. Uh, A man who has lost his way. I've been called a wolf. Uh, I've been told that I'm leading people to hell. Someone said there's a place reserved for me in hell. Uh, My teachings are like tepid water, someone said, that can't be stomached. Uh, someone I've known and, admi- and admired for 20 years reached out to me on Facebook, and a messenger, and said uh, he's concerned for me um, and my faith. And so I kindly explained to him what I'm doing with the What If Project, the origins of it, where it came from, the good uh, things that are coming from it. And it was a fairly long response. And he went two weeks before responding. And all he wrote was, okay, Glenn, give my best to Dana. And that was it. And I haven't heard from him since. And so when I strolled into a wisdom camp and I heard Mike and these other people encouraging us to put our finger on our grief so that we could work through some of our deepest pains uh, during that day, my mind was flooded with all of the relationships that were once strong and good and, and, and life-giving that have recently um, maybe either died or become strained or are, are draining. Like, it's one thing to deal with haters, right? They crawl out, crawl out from under their rocks. You know, they tune in from their mom's basement and, and they just go at me, right? They never say a word unless they disagree with something I say and they come out with guns blazing looking for a fight. Like, that's one thing, fine. But it's an entirely different feeling when the challenge comes from people who you've known for a long time, people who have always thought the best of you, People who have always assumed positive intent on your end. People who have always had your back. People who once supported you, upheld you, believed in the work you did. It's an entirely different feeling when those people come at you. When they no longer assume the best of you. When they no longer have your your back. When they aren't interested in hearing your story. When like all they want to do is shame you, cast a shadow over the work that God is doing in your life, all because it's different from their journey or because they can't slow down long enough to think that maybe what's going on in my life is unique and good, even if it's drastically different than their own journey. And so again, I close my eyes, I put my head down and I asked myself or the universe or God or whoever the heck might have been listening in the moment, is this even worth it? I remember thinking to myself, I can't take the pain anymore. I can't take the awkward conversations, the cold shoulders, 
the nasty words, the name calling. It's just easier to be quiet, right? Like keep my thoughts to myself or just tell people what they want to hear. What they think I should be saying, collect my paycheck, so to speak, and, and go home. So, so maybe now like you can better understand why the words on the Wisdom Camp website caught my attention. Again, it said, those of us yearning and working for a more loving, equitable planet experience dying in many forms. Like I said, I felt like I had been yearning and working for a more loving, equitable planet, church, universe, but I also felt like parts of me were dying. And mainly my relationship with the God I no longer believe in, the God of my youth, and my relationships with people who were once or maybe somewhat close to me. And throughout our day together, Mike and other wonderful speakers led us through uh, various exercises to help us process these areas of grief that have been taking up uh, residence in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds and our souls. And although I could go into lots and lots of detail about all all of those exercises, there's one simple one that made a huge impact on me and literally helped put all of that pain, all of that disappointment into a much better perspective and put me into a much better frame of mind. Um, And that's what I want to share with you um, as we kind of close it out here. Uh, Mike Morrell gave us a a few moments of silence. And he asked us to pinpoint the areas of pain uh, that have been in our lives, right? So the things I just talked to you about. And then he had us get into a group of five people or so and stand in a circle. And after we found our groups and we got into a circle, he told us that he wanted each person to take a minute or two to share his or her grief with the group. And the rest of the group was not to try to fix the pain, not to give any advice, not to counsel, not to try to make it better, not to say one word. And instead, he wanted each person to lock their eyes on the person who was sharing and simply listen to the person with an open heart. And then when they were done, he wanted us to verbally respond and say, thank you for sharing your grief. And then move on to the next person. And then when we were done, he had us walk by ourselves down to a nearby rushing river. uh, And he instructed us to bend down, place our fist in the water, and then open our fist to symbolically give our pain and grief back to the earth and back to the God who made it. And I cannot put into words for you what happened, but as I shared my grief and my hurt and my pain, and I saw those four or five faces around me receive me and all of my humanity and smile and thank me for sharing my grief. And then as I placed my fist in the water and opened it to let go of the pain I've been holding on, Uh, Pain that has turned into uh, bitterness and anger and some depression and some anxiety and some sadness and some resentment and all of those things. Like, I really don't know what happened other than when I stood up, I felt better. Like, I felt like I could breathe again. I felt like I was able to let go of some heavy bags that I've been carrying around for well over a year. Bags of resentment and bitterness and all of that, but it's also morphed into a lot of shame and guilt. I would say shame for walking away from a God that I've known for 30 years of my life. 
then guilt for feeling like I let down friends and family and professors and teachers who have invested in my life and my faith in that God. Down by the river that morning, I just let it all go. And so that begs the question that I've really been wrestling with is what now? Right? That's, that's an important question. Because a lot of times we go to retreats, we go to conferences, whatever, we leave with lots of great insights and ideas, but they never get applied or put into action. And so change never takes place. And so the question I'm wrestling with now is, is what, what now? What do I do? And parts of me immediately want to help other people, right? Like I want to help other people feel relief, just like I felt that day. Like I know a lot of people carrying around similar hurts and pains. And so the pastor and shepherd in me really wants to to come to their aid and help them experience rest. And I'm sure that I will do that eventually. But there's another part of me that senses the need to, to kind of pump the brakes on helping everybody else and really take some time to care for my own heart and my own soul. And there's a part of me that really wants to get to know this new perspective on this God that I never knew existed, but I already love and adore very, very much. And so all that to say, there's three things on my radar. So number one, um, I've been emailing back and forth with uh, Barbara Brown Taylor, who uh, wrote a book called Holy Envy. And I met her at Wild Goose, and uh, she has been gracious enough to dialogue with me in email. Um, Her book, Holy Envy, is is a lot of things. uh, But at the heart of it, it's kind of like her own story uh, of how she came to realize that her religion, Christianity, does not own God. And that there are ways of reading and understanding and using the scriptures that are light years different than how our traditions have taught us to use them. And so she shared some of her own journey with me. Uh, She's connected me with some helpful resources that I want to dive into over the next year um, as I continue to put out podcast episodes, blog posts, teachings, things like that, where I share with you the things that I'm processing and learning in my own life about this walk with God. That's the first thing. Secondly, Uh, I'm going to be jumping into an online small group headed up by Alexander John Shia and his team at uh, Quadrados. So if you've been around the podcast a little bit, you remember I interviewed him last October, and he's been kind enough to email and text message with me pretty much every week over the last eight months or so. Uh, He has walked me through a lot of things um, in regards to those two areas of grief that I just shared with you. Uh, His wisdom is what I would almost call mystical. And his closeness to Christ is something you can just feel when you're with him. Uh, You might remember back in May, I was flying up to New York to defend my uh, dissertation, and he was flying out of the same airport, weirdly enough, on his way to Spain. And so we connected for for breakfast, and I was blown away by our uh, interaction. I feel like I have a lot to learn about this this God that I've discovered. I really feel like Alexander is someone who can uh, teach me and guide me along the way. So that's the second thing. Uh, Last thing I want to do is is I've begun to to practice more regular times of uh, prayer and silence and meditation. And uh, my mind, right, like my mind is just constantly going like a thousand miles an hour. And sometimes it's like an internal wrestling match to get myself to slow down long enough so that I can create just like a coherent thought. And so at Wild Goose, I I picked up a pair of uh, Mala uh, Buddhist prayer beads. And I've also been using my great-grandfather's rosary beads every morning uh, to kind of just quiet my heart, quiet my mind, sit in quietness, run the beads slowly through my fingers one at a time, 
are reminding myself of simple truths that I sometimes forget over the course of a given day. Uh, Like I am loved, I am enough, I am never alone. And as I sit in silence, I, I try to imagine myself just engulfed by this loving presence that I've become so attracted to over this past year. And, and listen to whatever he or she or whatever might have to say to me. Um, so just sit in silence and try to shut off my mind so I can just listen to the Spirit. And so that's where I'm at. Um, and that was, that's a small, small piece of that first day um, at the Goose. Uh, but that's kind of a little taste of my experience. And, and with all of that to say, I, I want to end the episode by acknowledging that many of you are in the same boat as me. Uh, you were raised in one tradition, but now you're asking questions. Uh, you're thinking differently. You're evolving. You're growing. You're changing. And you're feeling more and more distance between yourself and the God that you grew up believing in. And as that distance increases, so do the weird looks that you get from your family and your friends and your church and your tribe. Uh, you sense their dissatisfaction. You sense their displeasure. You sense their disapproval. You feel the heat of their shame. You feel a weird sense of guilt. Uh, You wonder if you're crazy. You wonder if you're all alone. And so I wanted to tell you today that you're not alone. The wild wilderness is exactly where you're supposed to be. And it's not as lonely out here as it initially feels. Uh, 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 An idea that's kind of given me some comfort in the last few months is that in the Gospels, uh, we find John the Baptist Right, who is a voice, the Bible says, who calls from the wilderness. He calls the people of Israel to leave the safety of their promised land, to come back out to the wilderness, back out to the place where they wandered for 40 years. And he specifically calls them out there to repent, which means to change their mind and to be baptized into a new way of living. Think about that. Right, John didn't call them to go to the temple. He didn't call them to go to the Torah. He didn't call them to go to a priest. Instead, he called them to go back to the place of their wandering. He called them away from the safety and security of their traditions and their certainty. And he called them to repent, which literally means to change their minds. And so contrary to what those who are dissatisfied with you might say about your journey and your faith and your questions, you're in the wilderness today because you're wandering, not because you're wandering, But because, not because you're lost, right? Not because you've done anything wrong, not because you've gone astray, but because you followed the voice that led you here. And so you're right where you need to be. And so today, my my prayer for you is may you place your fist in the living water of the loving Christ. And may you open it wide. And may you release whatever negativity you're feeling, whether it be bitterness, resentment, sadness, anger, whatever has been birthed from that feeling of shame and guilt that has been heaped upon your soul. And may you just let it go. Thank you for joining me on this first uh, episode, this first part of Processing the Goose. Uh, This is episode number 53. Um, It was great to have you here, uh, and I will see you again next week. Bye-bye.